Lesson number 97, Suratul Araf, ayah number 188 to 206. Qul say, La amliku, I do not possess, I do not have the power. Linafsi, for myself, naf'an, any benefit, wala and nor, darran, any harm. Illa except ma that which Allah Allah has willed. Walau kuntu, and if I was, a'lamu, I know, al-ghayba, the unseen, lastakthartu, surely I would have accumulated much. I would have taken much. Min from al-khayri, the good, the wealth. Wama and not, masani, it touched me, asu'u, the evil. In not, ana I, illa except, nadirun, a warner, wabashirun, and a bearer of good news, liqawmin for a people, yu'minun, they believe. In the previous ayah, it was clarified that no one but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows when the day of judgment is going to arrive. Not even the Prophet ﷺ. And over here, it is being clarified further that all matters are in whose control? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Good and evil, the knowledge of the future, everything is with who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not even the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ shared with Allah in this respect. Not at all. No one shares with Allah the matter of benefiting others, the matter of protecting others from harm. No one at all. So the Prophet ﷺ is made to say here that لا أملك لنفسي نفعا ولا ضرا. I do not possess the power for myself, meaning the power over myself to benefit me or to protect me from harm. Because if he had the power to benefit himself, then he would have accumulated all the riches in the world for himself. Right? Likewise, he did not possess the power to protect himself from harm. If he did possess that power, then none of his children would have died in their infancy. We know that all of his sons died in their infancy. And this was something that was very difficult for the Prophet ﷺ to bear. If not in their infancy, at least when they were still very young. None of them grew up to be an adult. None of the sons of the Prophet ﷺ. So this was something very difficult upon him. But yet, he did not have that power. Likewise, people persecuted him. Remember the time when Uqba bin Abi Mu'id, when he came with all the innards of the camel, and he put them on the head of the Prophet ﷺ while he was prostrating. If the Prophet ﷺ knew that this harm is going to happen to me, he could have gotten up from sajda. But the fact is that he did not know. He did not know. لَا أَمْلِكُ لِنَفْسِ نَفْعًا وَلَا ضَرًا إِلَّا مَا شَاءَ اللَّهِ The only good and bad that happens to me, happens with whose will? Allah's will. Allah's will. وَلَوْ كُنْتُ أَعْلَمُ الْغَيْبِ And if I knew the knowledge of the unseen, then what would happen? لَسْتَكْثَرْتُ مِنَ الْخَيْرِ I would have accumulated a lot of good for myself, a lot of riches for myself. Now remember that ghayb, unseen, is of two kinds. One is absolute, absolute unseen, meaning those matters which are known, which are hidden from everyone, and they're known only to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And 
The only way that a person can find out about it or any creature can find out about it is if Allah informs them. So for example, what's going to happen tomorrow? This is ghaib. Who knows about it? Only Allah. Right? And if there is an angel whom Allah informs that tomorrow there should be rain, then that is because Allah informed the angel. Not because the angel has some power. Alright? The other kind of ghaib is nisbi. Meaning that is related to a particular person because of who he is, because of his situation. Like for example, we are unaware of what's happening outside the building. Right? We are unaware of what's happening outside the building. But the people who are outside, do they know? Yes. Right? They know. Likewise, we are unaware of what's happening at home, at the houses of each and every single one of us. But the people who are present at home, do they know? Yes. So the Prophet ﷺ is made to say that if I knew the unseen, then I would have gathered a lot of good for myself. Because how is it that a person can accumulate good for himself, whether it's in the form of money or anything beneficial? How? If he knows that I have an opportunity to get this khair in the future. Like for example, if you are passing by a store, you don't know the knowledge of the unseen. Therefore, you don't know whether there's a big sale going on inside or not. So what happens? You just walk by and you go home. If you had the knowledge of the unseen, then you could have found out, you would have known from before where there's a good deal and where there is not a good deal. Right? So if I knew the knowledge of the unseen, I would have accumulated a lot of good for myself. But the fact is that the Prophet ﷺ, when he received prophethood, then what happened? He only lost the wealth that he had. Right? In the initial years. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him so much, so much that was not given to anyone. So we see that وَلَوْ كُنْتُ أَعْلَمُ الْغَيْبَ لَسْتَكْثَرْتُ مِنَ الْخَيْرِ Then I would have accumulated much good. And if I knew the unseen, وَمَا مَسَّنِيَ السُّوءِ No evil would have touched me. Because if you know the unseen, then you would know that if you sit in the car, you'll end up in a car accident. Then would you ever sit in the car? No. You would have saved yourself from evil. But the fact is the Prophet ﷺ, he suffered from harm. So he clarified that in ana illa nadirun wa bashir I am only here as a warner, as a bearer of good news for those people who believe. There are many incorrect beliefs about the Prophet ﷺ, about other righteous servants of Allah, that they have the knowledge of the unseen. But remember that only Allah knows. Which is why going to a fortune teller is something that is a kind of shirk. Going to a fortune teller and asking him, so will I ever get married or not? So what will happen? When will I die? What will happen five years from now? Going to a fortune teller and asking them things, this is what? A kind of shirk. Whether it's in the form of a fortune cookie, or it is in the form of going to someone and showing your hand, or it is in the form of reading horoscopes, or whatever it may be. This is what? A kind of shirk. Now you might ask that, but many times it's true. 
Many times it's true. Whatever the fortune tellers say, it's true. The horoscopes. You know why? Because many times what they say is something general. A general statement. And once you find out that once somebody tells you, you will be very, very sad in the next year. Then what happens? You start believing that you'll be sad and depressed. So then things happen and you could be happy and content. But what happens? You believe that no, I'm going to be sad and depressed. So then you start looking at things in that way. You start believing in what somebody's told you. And remember, this is also a test from Allah. That whether we trust Allah or we start trusting other people. So it is very important that we stay away from all these kinds of shirk. He is the one who, meaning Allah alone, who knows everything, who has the power over everything. He is the one who خلقكم, has created all of you. من نفس واحدة, from a single soul. Meaning from Adam alayhi salam. وَجَعَلَ مِنْهَا And he made from it, meaning from that single soul, meaning from that human being, Adam, came who? زَوْجَهَا His wife. And who is the wife of Adam? Hawa. Meaning, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created all of humanity from one person. From that one person came the other person. And from the union of them two came the rest of humanity. وَجَعَلَ مِنْهَا زَوْجَهَا What we see here is that the human being by nature is not meant to remain single. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent Adam to Jannah, He didn't say, Adam you go and you eat everything and you have a good time. No. Before sending Adam to Jannah, He created Hawa. Both of them He sent together. Because man by nature seeks companionship. We don't like to be lonely. It's not healthy to be lonely. It's not healthy to be alone in this world. Yes, on the day of judgment, every single person will go alone before his Lord. Every person will go alone in his grave. But in this world, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made us what? Insan. And insan is from uns. Uns is what? To be sociable. To be friendly. And this is the reason why human beings seek companionship by nature. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created for Adam his wife. Alright? And Allah made for Adam a zawj. And who was that zawj? Hawa. So a man with a woman. A woman with a man. Not man with man. And woman with woman. It can be friendship. There could be love. But this is not a relationship through which the human progeny would continue. And because of this reason, it's an unnatural union. This is what we Muslims believe. So, وَجَعَلَ مِنْهَا زَوْجَهَا Why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make a zawj for Adam? What was the reason? Could he not be happy on his own? Like people say, don't get married, you know, enjoy yourself. Because if you get married, life will become very difficult for you. Then you have a husband to look after and listen to and obey and you know you lose all your freedom you're fine you're independent you have your money you have your car you don't need to ask anybody if you want to go somewhere you're happy the way you are you don't need a spouse and sometimes men are told the same thing don't get married otherwise you'll be stuck right then you'll be responsible for your wife and for your children there's a reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made this union between man and woman 
What's that reason? لِيَسْكُنَ إِلَيْهَا So that he finds comfort in her. لِيَسْكُنَ إِلَيْهَا Sakana means to dwell, to remain somewhere. And Sakana إِلَى Sakana إِلَى is to dwell in security with someone. Meaning to find peace and happiness with someone. To find peace and happiness, tranquility with someone. And you cannot experience that without them. You cannot experience that comfort while being single. You cannot experience that happiness, that peace of mind, that relaxation without that union. It's not possible. لِيَسْكُنَ إِلَيْهَا And mainly we see over here that the man, يَسْكُنَ is who? He. He finds peace and happiness and comfort in who? In his wife. So what do we learn here? That the role, the role of the spouses is what? To provide peace and comfort to each other. The husband and wife are meant to provide peace and comfort and happiness to one another. This is what this relationship must bring. And if a person does not find this in a relationship, then that is not a healthy relationship. The purpose of marriage is so that both find sukoon in each other. And also we see here, like I mentioned earlier, that the husband feels sukoon in the wife. That the wife, one of her main roles, remember that one of the main roles of the wife is what? that she is a source of comfort for who? For her husband. So those who are married here, I'd like you to ask your husband, do you like to come home or do you dread coming home? Do you feel relaxed when you come home or do you just want to switch off your brain when you come home? Ask your husband. We might... Tell ourselves all the time, I'm a good wife, I take care of my children, I cook for my husband, I do his laundry, I'm a good wife. But you know what? If you're doing all these things and your husband doesn't find sukoon in you, why? Because he's afraid. The moment he's going to step inside the house, oh, he's going to be attacked. So what does he do? He just says salam quietly, puts his keys, and goes and sits in front of the television. So that he can block off everything. All the yelling, and the shouting, and the nagging, and the criticizing. Everything he can block it off. This is not healthy. Not healthy at all. Because if the husband is not finding sukoon in the house, tell me, where will he find that sukoon? At the workplace? In the television? On the computer? Many times it happens that this is what men start seeking then. And when they seek something else in which they can find sukoon in, then they end up doing something wrong. And then the wife suffers, and the children suffer. So what is necessary? That we as women understand our responsibility as wives. That our husbands must find sukoon in us. And those of you who are not married, please listen to this advice very carefully. Because when you're getting married, people advise you, do this and this so that you can control your husband. No, this is not the way to win your husband's heart. You know how you win your husband's heart? By making him happy. If he's happy, he'll do anything in the world for you. He'll even vacuum for you. He'll even mop the floor for you. If you make him happy. If he is happy at home, trust me, he'll even want to work in the kitchen. But 
If he feels when he's stepping into the kitchen that he's entering somebody else's territory, and God forbid if he put the glass somewhere or if he, you know, splash a little bit of water around the sink, he wants to stay away from there then. Aisha? Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Just remind me, my mother-in-law, she always tells me when me and my husband are in an argument or something that it means that if you, in a friendly way, in a loving way, you can even make him commit murder. In the sense that you'll make him do the impossible. Yeah. You'll make him do the impossible if you show love to him. I mean, that's not what we want for our husbands. But it's just an example. That something that's so difficult, something that's impossible, you can make someone do, but with love. Also that, um, you know, earlier we were talking about the wives, right? You were saying, um, one day in Iyakanistain, I was going through and I saw a dua and I was so amazed that Prophet said to ask protection from Allah, from a wife that makes you aged before time. A companion, yes. A companion that makes you aged before time. Is it companion or is it particularly wife? If I remember correctly, it's companion. Companion. Inshallah, we can double check. But even wife is a companion, right? Yeah, and it's many times it happens that men are barely 30 and they start graying. Why? Because they're so stressed out. Stressed out because of their work. And when they come home, they know that they're going to see an angry wife. An angry, moody, cranky, upset, and tired, and exhausted, and whiny wife. And they don't want to go near her. Yes. You're really a good wife or not? You, you can't say like this about yourself. Yes. This is true. Because we assume that yes, I'm a very good wife. Of course I'm a good wife. But if you were to ask your husband, then he'll be afraid to even speak in front of you. Because <laughs> you've controlled him, right? Anyway. So, لِيَسْكُنَ إِلَيْهَا He should find sukoon in her. And this also shows to us that a wife should be a source of sukoon for the husband, you know, whether it's in her speech or her dress, her food, her behavior, in every way she should be a source of comfort for him. Falamma then when the remaining ayah in the following verses, there are two opinions concerning them. That one it's about Adam and Hawa, and secondly it's not about them but any couple in general. So Falamma Tawashaha, when he covered her. And this is basically figurative speech for sexual intimacy between the husband and wife, that Allah is the one who has made the man and the woman and made a union between them. And when they come together, when they have intimate relations, then what happens? Hamalat, she carries hamlan, a weight, khafifan, light. Hamlan khafifan is referring to the initial stages of pregnancy. Because obviously there is a new growth within her, but it's khafif, it's very light. So much so that she doesn't even know. I mean, if you look at the stages of pregnancy, and sometimes they compare the size of the fetus with different objects. For example, in the initial weeks, it's like the size of a blueberry. And as it grows bigger and bigger, it's the size of a strawberry. And it grows bigger and bigger. They compare with different objects. So, hamlan khafifan. So light that she doesn't even know many times. bi. So she walks with it. Meaning she walks... The woman walks with that pregnancy, with that light weight, 
Meaning she goes about her daily routine and nobody knows she's expecting and sometimes even she is unaware that she is expecting. Then what happens? فَلَمَّا then when أَثْقَلَتْ She becomes heavy. The pregnancy begins to show. أَثْقَلَتْ From سَاقَفْلَامْ And when it shows and then it becomes more, then it hits them that yeah, we're going to have a baby pretty soon and it's going to happen very soon. Then what happens? دَعَوَى they both make dua. Who? The man and the woman. The couple. They both make dua to Allah, Allah, Rabbahuma, their Lord, that in surely if ataytana, you give a salihan, righteous, good, meaning a good child, lanakunanna min ashakirin. Then surely we will definitely be of those who are grateful. We'll be very grateful to you, Allah, if you give us a healthy child. Notice the word salihan. Salih from sad lamha. Saluha is to be right and proper. So salih child means a healthy child with a sound body, no disability. Salih. They say, oh Allah, if you give us a healthy child, we'll be very, very grateful to you. And if you think about it, every couple makes these kinds of du'as. Especially when the birth is near. Even if they may not be very righteous otherwise, even if they may not be very practicing otherwise, but when it comes to the matter of their children, then they beg Allah. First of all, when they want children, then they turn to Allah. Asking Him, Allah, please bless us with a child. And secondly, when Allah gives them that good news, and they're expecting a child, then their concern is, oh Allah, please give us a healthy child. A healthy child. You know like if a mother is asked, so do you want a girl or do you want a boy? What does she say? As long as it's a healthy child, I don't mind. Right? صَالِحًا If you give us a salih child, we'll be very grateful to you. We'll be very thankful. We'll do this. I'll pray a hundred nawafil. I'll give this much in charity. فَلَمَّا Then when? Atahuma, he gave to both of them salihan, sound child, a healthy child, a good child. Jaala, they both made lahu for him shuraka partners. They both set partners for Allah. Fima in that which atahuma, he alone gave to them both. He alone blessed them with a sound and healthy child, with a good child. And what did they do? They set partners with Allah. How? In what way? How do they set partners with Allah? That, like people talk, once they have their baby and everything is fine, they say, you know, that doctor, she was so good. She told us that we better go with this and this procedure, and we better do this and this, because it was, you know, good for our child. They start praising and thanking who? The doctor, and the midwives, and the nurses, and the doula, and so on and so forth. And who do they forget to thank? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Remember that shirk is of different kinds, it is of different levels. One is major shirk, that expels a person from Islam. Another is minor shirk, which is of a lesser degree, doesn't make a person non-Muslim, doesn't waste all of his good deeds, but it's still a kind of association with Allah. Setting a partner with Allah. The praise that Allah alone deserves, giving that praise to others. It doesn't mean that you don't thank the doctor and everybody. You thank them. But before you start talking about them and their intelligence and their equipment and everything, talk about who? Allah. 
talk about Allah. Many times it happens that people, they really, really want to have a child. And they do different things. You know, for example, they will go for a treatment, they will go for umrah, they will do different things, just so that they can have a baby. And sometimes somebody tells them, read Surah Yusuf this many times. Read Surah Maryam this many times. And you'll have a child. Or sometimes they tell them, go to such and such grave, and just tie this thread. Just wear this amulet. And what will happen? You'll become pregnant. Just wear this amulet, just wear this thread, and you will become pregnant. And what happens? Allah tests them. And as soon as they put that amulet on, they put that thread around their hand, soon after that they do become pregnant. They go for some treatment, they go to some grave, they go to some saint, so-called saint, that righteous person passes their hand over their head and they become pregnant. And afterwards, what do they say? It was because of them. We tried for years. Just went there once. And look, it happened. And then we had a child. But the fact is that who is it that gave you that child? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says, فَتَعَالَ اللَّهُ عَمَّا يُشْرِكُونَ Allah is exalted above what they associate with Him. Allah is exalted above what they associate with Him. Remember, any blessing you have, why do you have it? Allah gave it to you. Why? Why? How do you have it? Allah made it for you. Allah provided it for you. Nobody else made that for you. Nobody else could give it to you. And if that blessing came to you through someone, remember there were only a means. Whether it's a doctor or whoever, whether it's some treatment, it was only a means. They were not the cause. They were the means. They were not the source. They were the means. So realize that the giver of all blessings is Allah alone. We see here that Allah dislikes. That when we want something, we make dua to Allah. Ya Allah, please, if you give it to me, I'll be very grateful, I'll be very thankful, I'll be very happy, I'll do this, I'll do that. And when Allah gives to the servant, He forgets Allah and He starts thanking others. فَتَعَالَ اللَّهُ عَمَّا يُشْرِكُونَ Now Ibn Abbas, he said concerning this ayah, then when Adam and Hawa were intimate and Hawa became pregnant, Iblis came to them and said, I am your companion who got you out of paradise. Meaning, I am the one who got you out of paradise. It's because of me. That see, you suffered so much harm. Obey me. Otherwise, I will cause your child to have two horns like a deer. So he frightened them. He said, you better listen to me or you know what's going to happen? I will make for your child two horns and you can imagine how your child will be. And he kept threatening them. He kept frightening them. And he told them, that you better obey me. Otherwise, this is going to happen. So they said, what? Iblis said that when your child is born, name him Abdul Haris, the servant of Haris. Obviously, it's not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, someone else. So basically, shirk in name. Okay? But what happened? Adam and Hawa refused to obey him. And the baby came out dead. Then Hawa became pregnant again after some time. And Iblis came and said the same thing, frightened them. They refused to obey him, and again the baby came out dead. Third time, Hawa became pregnant, and Iblis came, frightened them, and they were overcome by the love of the child. So what happened? When the child was born, they named him Abdul Haris. Now this is authentic. And remember that giving someone a name like that is a kind of shirk. But 
this is not such shirk that expels a person from Islam. Alright? Remember that major wrongs, the prophets were pure from that. And the prophets did commit sins which were minor. Minor. And remember that when they did commit that sin, soon after, they realized and they repented. And when they repented, their level became higher than it was before. And the prophets were allowed to make such mistakes to show us that they were only humans. And so that we can follow them. That if they can make a mistake and we have made a similar mistake, then what should we do? Do what the prophets did. Turn back to Allah. Do tawbah. So we see that this was in a way a kind of shirk that they were obeying Iblis. Okay? Because remember that disobedience to Allah means obedience to shaitan. And that is kind of associating with Allah in obedience, in the matter of obedience. We should be obeying only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When we disobey Allah while obeying others, then this is a kind of shirk. So this is a slight kind of shirk, not something too serious, but in this is a lesson for us. That many times it happens that when people want something, they ask Allah. And when they have it, they forget Allah and they turn to others. Allah says, Ayushrikuna, do they associate with Allah ma that which la yakhluku does not create shay'an anything? Wahum yukhlaqun and they themselves are created? Meaning, think about those whom you are setting up as partners with Allah. Who are you setting up as a partner with Allah? Someone who's created nothing. And in fact, they are created themselves. Are they worth associating with Allah? Not at all. And why would you worship them anyway? When they cannot create anything, and they're not even powerful over themselves. In Surah An-Nahl, Ayah 20, Allah says, وَالَّذِينَ يَدْعُونَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ لَا يَخْلُقُونَ شَيْئًا وَهُمْ يُخْلَقُونَ Those whom they call upon besides Allah, they cannot create anything, and they themselves are created. Surah Al-Hajj, Ayah 73, Allah says, those whom you worship besides Allah, they cannot even create something as small as a fly. As a fly they cannot make. This is what you're associating with Allah? This is whom you're turning to? This is whom you're worshipping? Think about what you're doing. Wala and not yastati'una. They are capable. Lahum for them nasran any help. Meaning they're not able to help them. Who? The people who worship them. For example, if there's a person in the grave and there are people who are going, doing sajda to him, praying to him, can that person in the grave help them? Can he help them? No. Allah says, وَلَا يَسْتَطِيعُونَ لَهُمْ نَصْرًا وَلَا أَنفُسَهُمْ يَنصُرُونَ And nor can they help themselves. Because if they could help themselves, would they remain in the grave? Seriously. If they had the power to grant life, would they not grant life to themselves first and foremost? And come out of that scary place? Come out of that hole in the ground? Come out of that grave? They would come out of that first and foremost. But the fact is that they are dead. They are unable to help anybody. Because when do you help someone else? When you can help yourself. Correct? First you help your... Like in the airplane, what do they say? In case of lack of oxygen, put the mask on yourself first and then help somebody else like a child. But first help yourself. Because if you're breathing, if you have enough oxygen, then you can help somebody else. If you start worrying about others, and you yourself are dying, then neither are going to survive. Right? So, وَلَا 
whether it is calling upon a prophet or an idol or a dead or you know a creature whatever it is remember that nobody can help themselves unless allah helps them the prophet of allah was made to declare i don't have power to protect myself i don't have the power to benefit myself whatever happens with me happens only with allah's will amr bin jamuh one of the companions of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he was from medina and Initially, when the Muslims migrated to Medina, he didn't become Muslim. He had an idol. He used to worship it. He used to perfume it. He used to bring a lot of offerings before it. And what happened was that he was very firm on his idolatry. He loved that idol. And he would come and ask that idol anything that he wanted an answer to. Anything he wanted to do in life, he would first go and ask that idol. Now his children had become Muslim and they wanted him to understand this idol is not the one who's responding to you. Because basically, behind that idol was appointed an old woman. Okay? And that old woman basically, when somebody would come and ask, she would move something or whatever, and as a result, you know, the idol would tell people do something or not do it. So basically that voice would be whose? Of that old woman. And they believed that, you know, the idol inspires the woman and the woman speaks. This was all money-making stuff and deceiving people. So basically, what happened was that his sons, they took that idol and they put dirt on it they made it all dirty so the next day when amr he came he cleaned it and he's like he was very upset who did this to my idol and then eventually they kept doing this until one day they threw it in garbage literally they threw it in the garbage it was stuck to a dead dog or something like that and he realized that you know what if it cannot help itself it cannot help me if the idol cannot defend itself how can it defend me How can it defend me? Remember Ibrahim alayhi salam, he broke all the idols. The idols couldn't defend themselves. So if they cannot help themselves, how can they help me? I mean, people have to pick up the idols and transport them. People have to make them. People have to clean them. People have to perfume them. If the idols are that needy, then how can they fulfill the needs of others? And everyone that is worshipped besides Allah, This is their reality. That they are themselves needy. وَلَا يَسْتَطِيعُونَ لَهُمْ نَصْرًا وَلَا أَنفُسَهُمْ يَنصُرُونَ وَإِن تَدْعُوهُمْ And if you were to call them إِلَى الْهُدَى To guidance. Meaning, if you were to ask these idols for guidance, لَا يَتَّبِعُوكُمْ They would not follow you. Meaning, they would not respond to you. They would not grant you anything. سَوَاءٌ عَلَيْكُمْ It is the same on you. أَدَعَوْتُمُوهُمْ Whether you call upon them, أَمْ أَنْتُمْ صَامِتُونَ Or you are صَامِتُونَ صَامِتُونَ Plural of صَامِت صَاد ميم تَ صمود is to be silent. So it's the same. Whether you make dua to them or you remain silent. Because the fact is that if you are talking to a tree, that tree cannot respond to you. If you stand silent in front of the tree, it's not going to make any difference to the tree. Right? It's the same. I mean, if there is a person and you're talking to them, They understand what you're saying. They will respond. You can have a conversation with them. And if you are silent in front of them, they will ask, what's wrong? What's the matter with you? But these false gods, whether you make dua to them or you remain silent, it's the same. They cannot answer your prayers. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when you make dua to Him, loudly or quietly or in your heart, you're quiet, your lips are not moving. You're silent in your mouth, but 
in your heart, you are weeping before Him. You're expressing all your feelings. He hears. He knows. And only Allah is like that. You know, sometimes you're going through something, you want to ask for something, and you don't even know what. Like if somebody asks you, are you okay? You're like, no. What's wrong? I don't know. What's wrong with you? I don't know. What happened? I don't know. Because sometimes you really don't know what's happening. Who knows? Who understands the state of your heart? Only Allah. Only Allah. But the false gods, they have no idea. Whether you pour your heart out before them, or you remain silent. So it's a useless activity that you would be doing if you're calling upon others besides Allah. This ayah has also been understood as that وَإِنْتَدْعُوهُمْ If you believers call them, meaning the idol worshippers, those who worship false gods, whether it's idols or something else, if you call them to guidance, they won't follow you. They're not going to listen to you. سَوَاءٌ عَلَيْكُمْ أَدَعَوْتُمُوهُمْ أَمْ أَنْتُمْ صَامِتُونَ It's the same. Whether you advise them about tawheed or you remain silent. It's not going to make a difference. It's like sometimes you're having a conversation with someone and they pretend to nod, but they're actually not listening. And I hope you're not one of those people right now. Huh? Because what happens? Whether you are talking in front of them or you remain silent, it doesn't make a difference. It has to be both ways, right? And if someone is not responding, then there's no use talking to them. Recitation. قُلْ لَا أَمْلِكُ لِنَفْسِي نَفْعًا وَلَا ضَرًّا إِلَّا مَا شَاءَ اللَّهِ وَلَوْ كُنْتُ أَعْلَمُ الْغَيْبَ لَاسْتَكْثَرْتُ مِنَ الْخَيْرِ وَمَا مَسَّنِيَ السُّوءِ إِنْ أَنَا إِلَّا نَذِيرٌ وَبَشِيرٌ لِقَوْمٍ يُؤْمِنُونَ هُوَ الَّذِي خَلَقَكُمْ مِنْ نَفْسٍ وَاحِدَةٍ وَجَعَلَ مِنْهَا زَوْجَهَا لِيَسْكُنَ إِلَيْهَا فَلَمَّا تَغَشَّاهَا حَمَلَتْ حَمْلًا خَفِيفًا فَمَرَّتْ بِهِ فَلَمَّا أَثْقَلَتْ دَعْوَ اللَّهِ رَبَّهُمَا لَئِنْ آتَيْتَنَا صَالِحًا لَنَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الشَّاكِرِينَ فَلَمَّا آتَاهُمَا صَالِحًا جَعَلَ لَهُ شُرَكَاءَ فِيمَا آتَاهُمَا فَتَعَالَى اللَّهُ عَمَّا يُشْرِكُونَ أَيُشْرِكُونَ مَا لَا يَخْلُقُ شَيْئًا وَهُمْ يُخْلَقُونَ وَلَا يَسْتَطِيعُونَ لَهُمْ نَصْرًا وَلَا أَنفُسَهُمْ يَنْصُرُونَ وَإِنْ تَدْعُوهُمْ إِلَى الْهُدَى لَا يَتَّبِعُوكُمْ سَوَاءٌ عَلَيْكُمْ أَدَعَوْتُمُوهُمْ أَمْ أَنْتُمْ صَامِتُونَ